teaching in your 20s. Do I really know what I'm doing? Am I making a difference? How do I find the perfect work-life balance? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Teaching in Your 20s podcast. I am your host, Christina Himmelho, and thank you so much for choosing to listen today. I am so excited for today's episode because my mother has actually come on to talk about connecting with students in the classroom. She has been in the education field for a long, long time and has taught elementary all the way up to the college level as a professor in Spanish. My mom is full of wisdom, and I'm constantly taking life advice from her and we'll definitely have to do another episode just about life because she has so much wisdom to give the world but we'll be sticking mainly to talking about teaching and the relationships that we create with our students so mom do you want to tell us a little bit about your background why you got into teaching or maybe just what has made you stay in the education field for so long hello um everyone my name is Luz I'm Christina's mom so mama let's see a little bit about my background so um um, I did undergraduate Spanish degree, a master's Spanish degree, and then my PhD is in second language acquisition. I always knew I wanted to do some sort of teaching. I guess since I was uh, little, I always uh, knew that I wanted to have a family. So I'm going to be honest, one of the biggest reasons I went into teaching is because of the lifestyle. I knew I wanted to have kids at a young age, and so I was one of those that went straight from undergrad to grad, finished my master's at a very young age, traveled abroad, did my first year of grad school in Sevilla, Spain. Yeah, this is actually, (laughs) sorry to interrupt you, it's so funny because she literally went to Spain probably at the same age yes, that I went is, to Spain. It is kind of crazy. It right? is weird. Yeah. I was in Madrid teaching English and she was in, in Sevilla, Sevilla, my which first is, year of grad school. Yeah, it's yeah. more in the south of Spain. Yes, um, Andalusia. Yes, and so it's just so funny, like the correlation between yes. our lives is kind of freaky, but I know that you guys, some of you were asking me just about like stuff living in Spain and all of that, so maybe I can have you on another episode to talk about life in Europe because it's Uh, so much fun. We should actually do it while I'm in Spain. We should. We can record an episode and drink some some wine on that episode. That'll be a fun Everyone, I'm already like planning my trip to go see Christina, which I'm very excited. But anyways, (laughs) going back to my background, so I came back to the States, started teaching right away at uh, a local uh, university. So I've actually been in the teaching field since 1994 believe it or not. Like I said, I, I got into it because I've always loved children. I knew I wa- always wanted to have lots, uh, lots of kids. Of kids. Um, she wanted to have five. I wanted to have five. She has three. But we have three. My um, little brother came along yeah, and really just... Little man kind of... Uh, <laughs> Uh, he was a handful. He had a lot of energy. So going back to that, yes. So very much so I've always knew that I wanted to do something in education. And a goal of mine was always to get my PhD. So just, you know, little FYI, I just got my PhD two years ago. Yes. So it's very um, exciting. You worked really, really hard to get it. I did. Countless hours working on your dissertation at the kitchen table. I remember that. At the kitchen table. (laughs) Yes. So I'm a firm believer in following your dreams and uh, never giving up, persevere, determination. I am currently a professor, a Spanish professor at a local college, and I absolutely love it. I have been at this college for 10 years, and I'm not going anywhere. What has made me stay are those students I call my kids. And the students, yeah, yeah, No, honestly, what has made me stay are the kids. I call them my kids. So I have my kids at home, Christina, William, and Lexi, and then I have my kids at the college. Mm -hmm. And it is so true. I love what I do, and I always tell them, 
the minute I don't love coming in to work with you is the day I will retire. And yes, the professor yeah. lifestyle, not going to lie, it's a fantastic lifestyle. Why not, right? I keep going. Right, I love it. but you you have actually worked with a lot of different groups of students. I think yes. it, just mainly the longest amount of time that you've worked with College a group level. of students yes. has been college level, Correct. just so happens. Correct. But she was teaching elementary school, middle school. I even school. Do, did pre-K. You did pre-K. Yeah, pre-K was it always, it was always just Spanish? Um, it's always Spanish. been Spanish. Um, I did uh, do corporate um, English teaching when we lived in Michigan. I've done, you know, run the gamut of all the age groups. And to be honest with you, I think every age group has its, its beauty, has its advantages, right? Mm-hmm. But personally, I feel that I really connect and can make a difference with the college level with students. the college level and yeah, i don't know and if it's because a lot of them are like your ages mm-hmm. um so i honestly say you guys are my kids yeah they know that and i treat them that way right and that's exactly why i wanted to bring you on the podcast because i think you have a very unique perspective being a college professor and mm-hmm. i know that there are some people out there listening to this podcast that are maybe teaching the older grades And I wanted to make sure to include some content that's not just for my friends that are also teaching kindergarten or elementary school. So we'll definitely be talking about both, probably both age ranges during um, today's episode. Before we get started with today's topic, I always love to ask special guests to share a story about a teacher in their life that has made a difference or impact on them in some way because all of us definitely have that teacher mm-hmm. or a couple teachers out there that have really like changed the trajectory of our lives so mom I want to know about your teacher the teacher I would have to most definitely in the forefront of my mind is Beatriz de Paris so that would be Mrs. de Paris is what we all called her um, she was my ballet teacher Mm-hmm. And I started dancing um, since I was three. Um, I became a professional flamenco dancer. And Mrs. De Paris is actually the person that taught me how to dance flamenco. But I started with ballet. She is the one person, if I had to say the teacher, that uh, really influenced me, gave me the discipline, taught me to persevere. But she was hard. She was hardcore. <laughs> if you didn't come on time, I remember traffic, whatever, I was running late. She wouldn't be upset with my mother. She would talk with the student and say, why were you late? Knowing very well that we couldn't drive. Right. So, I mean, imagine that instead of, you know, most of the time it'd be mm-hmm. like, let me talk to your parent because mm-hmm. no, it'd be like, so at a very young age, just that discipline and it it has, you know, led me through my entire life. Mm-hmm. All of these things, believe it or not, I learned in a ballet class. Yes. She taught us yes. holistically things. So imagine you're, you're just this little kid and she would start talking to us about all these things. And this was a person that I would see every single day, mm-hmm. you know, because I, right. this was dancing for me was, you know, that escape, that, that, mm-hmm. that outlet for me. And it is still today. If I don't have my exercise. Yes. You know, yes. for my and mental we just, health. Right. And we just for talked your whole about well-being. Well, on the podcast, my last episode that I did was about staying healthy as a busy teacher. It's so just, important. Yeah. So important taking time for yourself. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and get straight into the episode. In this episode, we're really gonna be focusing on how to make those connections with students that are long lasting and that truly will leave an impact with that student and even with you as the teacher. So the first thing that I want to talk about is just the tips that you have, I have, for cultivating relationships with students. I don't know if you want to start off with some things that you think, like, if somebody is becoming a teacher and they are like, how in the world do you cultivate these relationships with students? For me, with my little five-year-olds, I think one of the biggest things was letting them know that you're a real person and sharing your own experiences with them. 
I think is so important even for them as like being five years old and you know sometimes you might think oh but they're not really gonna get it no they do they do get it and just like sharing your emotions with them your feelings like how you're doing every day I think that's so important just to teach them that you're a human being and you're not just this big like authority figure over them yes if I could kind of like add to that um, the the first thing that came to my mind was being real and being present so I think that no longer, at least for me as a professor, we're not the sage on the stage. We're not the know-it-all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with technology nowadays, with Google, with Siri, you get all the answers there. I'm here to guide you. And I think that for me, the most important thing is to actually see your student. And what do I mean by see your student? I mean, actually know who they are. When you're asking how they are doing, you are really mm-hmm. listening to them. Because right. what I have found through all of my teaching is... That's the one thing that if you see your students, that student will do and become and want to be what it is that, you know, the best that they can be and what you can teach them. So they'll be more open Mm -hmm. to what it is that you're trying to teach them and how to mold them at whatever age. And even so, some people think, oh, college, these kids, you know, they're already formed and whatnot. Mm Yes and no. But you're still so young. Like I look at my brother now and he's four years younger than me. So he's going into his junior year of college. And I look at him and I'm like, wait, we were so young when we were going through college. Like you're still learning so much about yourself, about what you want. So it's still a very formative time period in your life and a time when professors can have a huge impact on you. So I definitely agree with that. And along with, you know, trying to cultivate these relationships, I do want to give some like super practical tips of like how you actually do this. So we know the theory. We know that, I mean, if you've been in any education courses in college, you know that it is so important to cultivate relationships with students, but then it's like, okay, but how do I actually go about doing that? I feel like is where there's sometimes the gap between when professors, I mean, when I was going to school, it's like, okay, yeah, I know I need to do that. But when you get into the classroom, you're like, okay, you kind of freeze up. You're like, wait, how do I actually, how do I have time to have relationships with these students? How do I have time to be asking them how they're doing, especially at like the kindergarten elementary Mm -hmm. school level, Mm -hmm. because there's so much classroom management going on. And something that I did, I mean, this is very, this is probably like one of the most basic things was having morning meeting time. I don't know if this is even something that you could do at the college level like just like a check-in with your students like at the beginning of class I think it's so 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 important and something that I got caught up in at least like in the United States at the school that I was teaching at was they were pushing curriculum so so hard that they were like you need to be done with your phonics curriculum within the first 30 minutes of class hmm. and I was like oh my goodness like my morning meeting needs to be like two minutes long I ended up making it a little bit longer and I would just get my phonics stuff done later because I talked to the other teachers and they're like yeah no it's not it's not practical like that's what the district is trying to push but you need to build those relationships with students and so I think that if your school is really pushing curriculum and they're saying like we don't have time for a morning meeting just try to schedule it in anyways like no I really like what you have to say about checking in with your students I think that's vital and mm-hmm. I think that ha- needs to happen every day and it needs to happen you could maybe kind of sprinkle it in throughout the day right you know not not only just in the beginning but mm-hmm. kind of like at the end today oh so how did our day go yes you know kind of coming like full a closing circle, circle you know yeah. so you know one of the first things I do I kind of do that same kind of thing you know the beginning of the semester I really spend time that first week they call syllabus week. Yes. That is my time to connect with my students. Mm -hmm. So it's about icebreaker activities, getting to know them, and just emphasizing how important communication is. Mm -hmm. Now, I realize with five-year-olds, the communication is very challenging. (laughs) 
is a lot of time it it shows itself through their behavior. Right. So you as a teacher needs to be very, mm -hmm. right? That's a very good with that. That's a very good thing to also talk about with these younger kids in elementary school is their behaviors. Mm -hmm. They stem from a feeling that they're having. They always do. And that's the biggest thing that you have to focus on as a teacher is figuring out why is this student acting this way? Mm -hmm. Not like, okay, how do I stop them like from doing what they're doing? You have to figure out like the root cause of the issue. But, you know, going back to what you're saying about how the first week is so important, it's the same in elementary school. I mean, me. the first yes. the first two weeks is when we're setting up our routines and our procedures. We're doing getting all of Getting to know each other, but yes, really get getting to know. to know each other. So what is one of your favorite get to know you activities? Well, the first day of class, I literally tell them we're going to get to know each other. How does that work? Well, the first thing is like we go around the room and they literally, it's like, it's very elementary, mm-hmm. you know no pun intended there. Tell me, you know, first name, tell me why you're taking my class. And it's okay if you tell me it's a requirement and anything else you would like to add. And it's very interesting, Christina, because you have some students that will say, hi, my name is blah, blah, blah. I'm here because I have to be. And then they stop. Mm -hmm. And then you have other students that will continue on and tell me start. And then you will notice that they will start to share more, maybe the next day, the day after depending on other students in the class. You can have some really timid students and mm-hmm. they're very extroverted. So that is, I find it at my level, is where it becomes challenging because I have to make sure that my most timid students are still being heard in the classroom right? just as much as the more extroverted mm-hmm. students, mm-hmm. right? Also divulging about myself. Yes. So once they see that I'm being honest about me, mm-hmm. and I always say to them, I am human. I make mistakes. And I'm going right. to tell you right now, when I make a mistake, I'll own up to it. Yes. And they know because I I make mistakes all the time. And I always ask them, please, with grace, with dignity, with respect, can you please speak to me? And mm-hmm. respect goes both ways. That's the other thing. I cannot just expect respect from them if I don't respect them. Right. So that to me is the biggest thing. And how yes. do we do that? Is you actually are present with your students right. with your when you're mm-hmm. there. No matter what is going on in your personal life. But sometimes, like you said, that comes into the classroom. The students will pick up on if maybe I'm upset about something. And some of them will ask them. And you know what? I will tell them. You can tell them without getting too personal. How's that? You can yes. say, you know, I'm having a challenging day today. Yes. You do not have to say. Right. That's where the boundary into, comes in yes, as a teacher. There must be a boundary. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. Yeah, I completely but agree. the other thing that I have found is picking up on the on the the feeling, the vibe of the classroom. I have days where something's heavy and I can tell maybe there's a student that something's up. So I usually wait till the end of class mm-hmm. and I say so and so. Hey, um, you know what? Can we um, I wanted to chat to you, with you about something. Not, not that they're in trouble. And then. Mm-hmm. asking them how are you doing yeah. something as simple as, as that is all someone needs it goes it's not so what we're far. Try- right not if, it's not that i'm trying to figure things out for them or give them answers it's really going back to what i said at the beginning of what what do we really want what do we really need at any age is for someone to see us mm-hmm. to really see us and to listen to you and to listen to us mm-hmm. that that you care about me as a human being mm-hmm. that we care about each other right. that our relationship here is going to be throughout the whole semester mm-hmm. we're going to see each other 3 days a week you see them every single day you as a teacher you realize you see those kids more than mom and dad see them yes wrap your brain around that that is how vital and important teachers are yes and it's so crazy being Mm. so young like I'm 20 I just turned 24 being so young and feeling that responsibility of like I feel like I'm parenting not like 
fully parenting these kids, but sometimes yes, you are the mama because and it's crazy because like one of the funniest things I feel like that I started to do was like I would notice like I knew every kid and like when it started to get like flu season and stuff like I knew which kid had coughed Mm -hmm. without even looking up and I'm like that is like a motherly instinct that I developed. They have done scientific (laughs) studies on that because the mother knows the the, that particular child's your own child's cry. You know that it's crazy. It's amazing. And it's like I'm their teacher. Why do I need to know their cough? And it's like you just have such a huge impact on them and like you don't even realize it I wanted to add on to what you were saying about how when you notice maybe something's wrong with a student it's so important not to single them out in front of the whole entire class I think that's a really big thing especially when they're so young Mm -hmm. because like you don't want to make them embarrassed you Mm -hmm. don't want them to feel like they're being singled out in front of the entire class and so something that I would do because I think it's really hard to find time during our day as elementary school teachers to have those one-on-one conversations at the end of the day we always have like a pack-up routine basically and the kids would like get their backpacks come sit on the carpet maybe I'd put like a little something for them to watch and at that time if I'd noticed a student was like consistently having a tough day is when I would pull them like to the back while all the other kids are focused on doing something else and you can also do this during your station time like while kids are transitioning between their different stations you can pull a kid for like a minute or two minutes just to talk to them and just ask them like how they're doing and usually they'll tell you and some a trick that I had with my young young kiddos was if they were really struggling with verbalizing something I would have them just go back to their table I'd give them a blank piece of paper and I'd have them draw how they were feeling just because sometimes it's really hard for them to express how they're feeling I mean in kindergarten we're teaching them how to understand their feelings and vocalize those because that's so important so something that you could put in your cool down corner is just like a bucket of crayons and a piece of paper so that they can draw how they're feeling. Another thing that I wanted to touch on that you had talked about a little while ago was when you said that you are open with your students and you apologize to your students. That's something that... super important. Yes, that's something I wanted to bring up also because there definitely have been times where maybe like it's so easy to get frustrated (laughs) as a teacher and sometimes you know we're all humans we all make mistakes and sometimes you'll just say something or act a certain way that you realize later you could have handled the situation Mm -hmm. so much better and so sitting with your students or I mean this could apply even if this is just a way that you acted with one student telling them that you're sorry and that you made a mistake it teaches them such a valuable lesson of like okay my teacher is a normal human being and also you teach them how to apologize like you're modeling exactly, exactly how to apologize I think that that is invaluable to the students like development in class yes and I you know I want to add on to that as we think oh children really need that adults don't need that no 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 no. adults need that as well we as adults need to have that confirmation right that wait a minute that person is being genuine and that to me when you apologize it needs to be genuine Mm-hmm. Everybody knows the oh yeah no you can't do you a know, fake apology the, the fake apology <laughs> so when you are showing because you know I, I'm what 18 19 year old sometimes you know because I have dual enrollment I have mm-hmm. kids that are as, as young as 15 but they're watching you they're observing you you know and you are like you said modeling behavior and you think that's only important in kin- K through or le- elementary even high school no it's just as if not more important when mm-hmm. they're older. You know, because you're, you know, these are kids that they're now going to go on to, a, uh, you know, I'm at a local college to a four-year university, finish off their, their other mm-hmm. two years. They're going to go to grad school. They're going to go into careers. I have, I have students that are actually in their careers and they've come back. 
these are things that are life skills for me that Mm -hmm. they need to see and they need to learn how to be able to speak with someone, how they themselves need to behave when they have to apologize Mm -hmm. and come to, I mean, because it's scary, right? Right. You're a professor and you have to talk to them one-on-one. I get that. So that's why I think it's so, so important Mm -hmm. to go back to establishing that positive and loving environment. Yes. I'm using the word love because (laughs) I think that's so important. You have to be able to talking about relieving that anxiety. I mean, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm a foreign language teacher. That causes a lot of stress on my students. Yes. And that's something that we talked about. I remember um, one of my college professors, we were taking an English as a foreign language, teaching English mm-hmm. as a foreign language. And one of the biggest things that we spent most of the semester talking about was how to reduce that affective filter, mm-hmm. which is basically like the wall that comes up Mm -hmm. when you're like so scared to do something Mm -hmm. and completely blocks you off from being able to learn and really engage in the learning process and so that's where creating and cultivating that loving environment for your students and a welcoming and a safe learning environment is so 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 important and that I think a lot of that comes just like what we're talking about mainly about just being a real person with them and being open being yourself yes and being yourself and I think also in elementary school like playing with them Mm -hmm. like having fun with them dancing with them singing with them and then they'll see that they're like oh wait my teacher is like having fun too I'm Mm -hmm. gonna get up and Mm -hmm. like dance and do whatever and you know really try to like immerse myself in this learning process along with that I think being willing to listen to their problems Mm -hmm. is such a big thing and like I was saying before like being an elementary school teacher or I think any type of teacher you can get frustrated so easily especially I don't know if this happens with like older students but with the younger students they they don't have that much life experience I would always remind myself when I would get really frustrated about I don't know something that my students were doing because they're five-year-olds and their kids I would be like okay Christina they have only been on this earth four or five years <laughs> like they've only been alive for five years like that is such a short amount of time and I think because of COVID like their development was just it was delayed in a way like mm-hmm. socially and interpersonally like with their mm-hmm. friends and their peers and all of that caused us teachers to have to be even more patient because when these kids were like two or three was when peak COVID time was happening and that's also the peak time in their development when they're supposed to learn how to be social with other people Mm -hmm. and they didn't get any of that so when they came into my classroom as five-year-olds was the first time that they were having to share with people I remember that being one of the biggest things that we'd have to talk about is that you need to share and I remember being shocked I was like why have I never seen this before where students have this inability to like share and they're still very egocentric. Christina, I they're... have seen that, especially due to COVID. And mm-hmm. my, I had a student that dropped my class because they could not be in the class because, and they wrote me this long email saying, I'm so sorry, but I have been taking all of my classes online. Mm-hmm. And imagine this, you come in the first, first, you know, week of class. I'm telling them I'm going to be speaking in Spanish in the class. We're going to be practicing Spanish in class. They have to talk out loud. Every single person speaks in class. She just couldn't handle it. Is there anything else that you want to add just about connecting with students? I feel like you do such a good job of this at the college level. Like those students love you so much. And I feel like they see you as a motherly figure. (laughs) Well, I think it's just because honestly, you just have to be genuine. Mm-hmm. I think that if you're not genuine, it's <laughs> it just yells 
at someone mm-hmm. that, oh my gosh, who is this person? But just, you know, coming in and immediately just meeting them where they are. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember teaching preschool and even elementary, just the, you know, the idea that even the physical space, yes. that we're taller, right? Go, getting down to their level, looking at mm-hmm. them in their eye. So I'm going to go back to saying, go back to that, even even with what I do. Right. When I speak to my students, I'm actually looking at them in their eyes. Something as basic as that. It sounds silly. I know. And actually listening to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that once you establish that, then, you know, they will do anything, right, that you want them to. Right. Because they, you know, they will absorb yeah. all the information. They will mm-hmm. want, you know what? They, they want you to be happy. To to impress you they're going to yes. want you to be proud of them yes right so th- so that that i think is really important is to and, and it goes both ways right i can't just say i can't just say i'm going to do all this stuff and not do it right? right i can have everything on this beautiful syllabus but if, if i'm not the person out there actually doing those things showing my students that i actually care about them showing them that i respect them mm-hmm. you know showing that when i'm when i make a mistake all right i own up to it all right what you know let's talk about this what can we do how can we troubleshoot um and these are all life skills that they can they learn and will practice in their own life i say you know you think this is a spanish class this is a class you're learning about a lot of things they always Mm -hmm. tell me that wow we talk about a lot of things i said yes because although it's a a foreign language class this is part of your training towards becoming adults right yeah it's like you said these are still kids Mm-hmm. That I, I, I mean, I with. still feel so young. The moral of the story when connecting with your students is to show up as your true, authentic self. Be yourself. Be yourself. I agree. They will love you. I also feel like my first day teaching kindergarten, I was so nervous, mm-hmm. and the kids are nervous. It's okay and to so be then nervous. you're you able to be nervous. Together. Yeah, that's what I was going mean, to say. You know, can be they, nervous together. I can see when I always tell them. <laughs> No pueden vomitar en la clase. Like, no vomiting in the in class. class. And then they all start laughing. Like, that's the first thing. Like, I break the alley. And, like, yeah. first thing I say is I'll start, like, I'll talk in Spanish. And then I'll talk in English. I'm like, yes, your professor speaks English. And I kid you not, the whole, like, classroom. Oh, yeah. They breathe. They're, like, breathing. They're and they're like, like oh, thank goodness. I'm like, yes. But don't get used to it because we are going to be speaking Spanish. But, but yes, I mm-hmm. do speak English. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and right. like, you know, that's when I start talking about myself. The more time you take at the beginning of the year yes. to build up these connections with students it's going to be very slow at first so worthwhile it is so worthwhile and especially with my little five-year-olds like I could see they had developed and like matured so much by the end of the year that like when they were even just doing social play together they would say things that I would say to them yes and I'm like they're actually learning they what I'm learning. telling they're them listening. They're absorbing and everything. I feel like it's hard during the year to see it because mm-hmm. we're so immersed in our teaching mm-hmm. and sometimes you have to take a step mm-hmm. back and really realize how far you've come with your group of kids and so those first like two to three weeks it's true what they say about how crucial that time period is and there's so many resources out there I know we didn't talk that much about like that many activities to do with your students but just go on like if you just google activities to do with your students and you go on to like a reputable website one of my favorite ones is called edutopia they have these videos of like how to create safe learning environment Mm -hmm. and they have all these activities that you can do and there's so many things on like teacher pay teachers there's so many teacher influencers out there that have such great activities yes talk to your teachers that you're next to i really leaned um, on leaned Mm -hmm. on you know mentors yeah don't be afraid to talk to them Mm -hmm. I know at first it can be really intimidating Mm -hmm. and you feel like you're asking questions that are so simple but 
they've been there before and so just assume that they're gonna want to help you and then if they don't want to help you that's their own thing but you, you know, have so many people at your school that you can lean on going back to questions i always tell my student the what's the worst thing that i could say to you guess what i just say no <laughs> and then right. when i say that they're like oh my gosh that makes sense and i said yes and think about that not just in this class everything yes right the worst thing that's gonna can happen i get a better deal no. on that beautiful jacket no okay but you asked yes maybe maybe you could have gotten a better deal but what is the worst thing that can happen is someone could say no i always tell them i can't help you if you don't tell me what's going on i think that wraps up today's episode i feel like we have a good chunk of time dedicated to just talking about making connections with students and i hope that you guys have enjoyed listening to the episode And thank you, Mom, so much for being on the podcast. I know everyone's going to love you. I can't wait for... You know, I was nervous, though. Yeah, you were, but it's fine. It's normal, right? Yeah. (laughs) my first podcast it's your first podcast episode (laughs) (laughs) as always i want to thank you guys so much for listening and make sure to follow my instagram tiktok and youtube all with the handle christina himmelhoff for more content from me especially as the school year is starting up i start in september so i still have a little while but i hope you guys have a great rest of your day and like i said i will talk to you guys in next week's episode of teaching in your 20s